The strategies included in today's episode have been game changers for me, not only in my career, but in my life. And be sure to stay tuned to the end where I include five steps to work on increasing your self-efficacy. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Career Strategies for Women That Work with me, JJ DiGeronimo. In each podcast, I design the format to share insights, tools, and inspiration for you to gain the momentum you need to catapult in the direction you desire. With this, you can find show notes in the description. Let's get started. Can you think back to a specific time when you were walking up to a challenging conversation or an important meeting? Now think about how you felt at that time. This could have happened last week or a few years ago. Were you excited to contribute? Or did you question your value and ask yourself, why was I invited? Or what am I going to contribute? Or I am scared to death to join this meeting. What if they figure out I don't have the smarts they thought I had? At one time or another, we all question the value we bring. Many women experience this, which has been labeled as imposter syndrome, a self-sabotaging condition that can hold us back from reaching new heights, leaning in, or even jumping into our next level of impact. Imposter syndrome was renamed to imposter phenomenon, which was introduced in the late 70s by psychologists Pauline Clancy and Suzanne Imes. I had the opportunity to talk to Dr. Clancy. I actually looked her up when I was researching for my second book, Accelerate Your Impact. I thought this research was so fascinating that I actually went to her website, found her phone number, and called her. And she answered, if you can believe that. I had so many questions. I can only imagine what she was thinking. Like, who is this random woman calling me, asking me all about my research? But she was so kind and excited to share That imposter syndrome, now renamed imposter phenomenon, is actually equally distributed across men and women. And that oftentimes it's what we tell ourselves just before we leap into something that is beyond our own level of confidence. In fact, people who believe they are pretending to be something they're not, or they believe that they're Success in their career is actually a coincidence and not really due to their own success or capabilities. At the surface, it might sound like this excessive humbleness, but at the core, it's a very different situation. These people in reality do not have the faith or belief in their own capabilities. They have a really hard time accepting success, compliments, or anything good about their work. At first, I did not believe that there were that many of us out there, But as I've discussed this in many of my keynotes and workshops, I'm often surprised how many hands go up when I start to talk about the stories we tell ourselves and not feeling completely ready and even sabotaging the next step because we convince ourselves we're not ready, we're not capable, and where we've gotten to date has been based on luck. Do you remember John Gray, the author, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, a book he published in 1992? I remember him and his visit to the Oprah show. I think I was still in college at the time. And I remember him standing on stage with several tubes and he was running back and forth, turning the knob and rotating the handle. 
and talking about self-esteem and confidence. At the time, I did not know that this was going to be imprinted in my mind, but he often suggested that in different aspects of our lives, we have different levels of self-esteem. Self-esteem is the emotional evaluation of your worth based on a particular situation. So things that you've done several times and done very well, you often have higher self-esteem. Things that are new to you or you've never done before, you may have lower self-esteem. Now take that to the next step. Confidence are the actions you have based on how you feel about yourself or based on your self-esteem. For women, I find that we struggle because even though we have high self-esteem in one area, that often doesn't mean we have high self-esteem in other areas. And so we often want to be 100% prepared before we stretch in a new direction. Conversations we could be having with ourselves that prevent us from stretching are, I'm not qualified. Others are more qualified than me. I'm too new to the company. I've never finished my college degree. Or, I never obtained an MBA. I'm the only woman on the team. They've never promoted a woman. These are the types of conversations you could be having in your head that could really shed light to how you feel about yourself in that particular role and definitely impact your confidence or your actions. So you may be holding back or not stretching or not participating. In fact, in Accelerate Your Impact, I have a list on page 147 of all the fears women have that I collected for the book. And then I have two columns that says one, fear held me back, or the second column, I had fear, but I still pushed through. And I encourage you to really think about what are you saying to yourself, especially as it relates to your goals. Are you convincing yourself you're not ready or are you pushing through even though you have fear? In another book I often reference, The Confidence Code, it suggests that women take fewer risks than men and ultimately that impacts their career trajectory. And frankly, it also impacts how much self-efficacy they have. So hopefully you'll join me in the next section where I'm going to specifically talk about self-efficacy and how you expand or grow your self-efficacy. So join me for the second section. But if you're struggling with some of this negative talk, it's not uncommon. Most women talk to themselves negatively. We often discourage ourselves from stepping forward before we're 100% prepared. And if you're experiencing this more often, one of the techniques I use is I put my hand over my heart I take a deep breath. I feel that breath go in and out. And I realize that I have more power within that I'm allowing myself to recognize. So each time you have feelings of imposter syndrome, it's important that you recognize that you're having these conversations and really bring yourself back to the present moment. This was not a practice I had early on in my career. And it wasn't until 2016 when I started a mindfulness practice that I actually understood more about how the mind drives us so frequently. If we're worried or have anxiety, we're often living in the past or the future and not the present moment. And oftentimes you have to ground yourself and be aware of the moment you're in right now. And in doing so, it often helps us minimize the mind chatter 
And Brene Brown talks about this so often in so many of her books, you know, really being in the present moment, taking a deep breath, putting your hand on your heart, allows you to get out of that mind chatter and really helps you ground in the moment you're in so that you can understand, is this just my fear talking or can I overcome these self-diminishing stories I constantly have running through my head? I'm sure some of you have read Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, Women, Work, and the Will to Lead. There's a particular quote in her book that aligns perfectly to this podcast. Despite being high achievers, even experts in their field, women can't seem to shake the sense that is only a matter of time until they're found out for who they really are, imposters with limited skills or abilities. Cheryl found research similar to mine in regards that many of us are in a standstill or middle management or haven't stretched to our true capabilities because we feel like we're not ready. And so five steps that I often implement when I'm feeling like I'm really getting the best of myself because my mind chatter and internal stories are preventing me from reaching or stretching. The first is recognizing that imposter syndrome is what it is. It's a negative internal voice questioning your value. It has nothing to do with reality. The imposter phenomenon is merely a symptom of your self-confidence level, which can vary based on the project, task, or assignment. Number two, activate self-acceptance and awareness. Overcoming imposter phenomenon requires self-acceptance. And it's not about lowering the bar. It's about resetting realistic expectations and striving before you're 100% ready. Number three, keep track of your successes. The projects you've completed, the solutions you've authored, the connections you've made, people you've mentored or sponsored, skills you have learned, and challenges you have overcome. Put these somewhere where you can see them often. I keep a folder on my computer. I also have a success wall in my office. Some of you may have seen it on my Instagram posts. I share a lot of the great things that have happened in my career. So when I get a call or a request for something that seems beyond my skill set, I often turn to the wall and look at what I've accomplished to date. I assess the ask and I determine, am I 60% or 70% qualified to fill this request? Is it something that aligns with my goals and do I want to do it? And if all those are yes, I generally step forward, even though I may be fearful or think I'm crazy at times. Number four, don't be surprised. It will show up when you least expect it. You may be chugging along and saying, I got this, I'm good. But then you get a call or an invitation or a request for your time and those stories kick in and start telling you why you're not ready, who do you think you are, Why would you ever be good at this? And that's the time you really have to slow down and get in the present moment. So again, putting your hand on your heart, taking a deep breath, feeling the air come in and out of your lungs and say, do I, do I really feel this way? Or are these the stories in my head that want to discourage me and make me feel fearful? And the fifth step is reassuring yourself. I got this. I got this. Oftentimes when I recognize that I have these stories going in my head saying, JJ, you're crazy. Who do you think you are? You're going to make a fool of yourself. I often 
take the steps to get myself in the present moment. And then I reassure myself, JJ, you got this. I take a look at my wall of successes. Sometimes I open the folder in my file system or on my computer. I look at all the things I've done to date. And oftentimes I can make a decision from my heart rather than my head sometimes that is often deterring me from making myself look like a fool or feeling like I'm going to fall flat on my face. So that reassurance, whether it's something you do one-on-one with yourself or you have a group of girlfriends or a group of coworkers that you commit to encouraging each other, even when you feel like you're not ready, really does help. So no, you are not alone. You can revisit these steps at any time. And I hope you'll stay with me for the next section where we're going to really talk about how to leap and grow into more self-efficacy. Have you heard of Daily Harvest? This is actually new to me since COVID. I was listening to Jenna Kutcher's podcast and stumbled across Daily Harvest. It is awesome option for busy moms that want to eat healthy. Each box includes nine items, which you can mix and match smoothies, salads, soups, and even bowls. My kids love the smoothies and I really enjoy the bowls. Daily Harvest believes that living good starts with good food. The speed at which we live today, both online and offline, forces us to substitute good food for convenience, which often lacks real nutrition. Without nurturing and nourishing ourselves, we simply cannot be our best. Daily Harvest has been a great addition to our food throughout the week and honestly my busy schedule. So if you're interested in checking it out, use the link in the show notes and it'll give you $25 off your first box. Let me know how you like it. Thank you again, Daily Harvest. So have you heard of self-efficacy? It took me almost 20 years before I found out about self-efficacy, and honestly, it has been a game changer for me. The National Center of Women in Technology does quite a bit of research on self-efficacy. In fact, they study many things related to women in the workplace, and specifically women in STEM careers, science, technology, engineering, and math. And they find that women that stay in their careers and in the field often have high self-efficacy. So of course, this was incredibly interesting to me as I was researching for both my books. I find that I was never really aware of what self-efficacy was. I shared earlier what self-esteem and confidence, but self-efficacy to me was a new term. And what I later learned is it essentially is the individual belief in our own capacity. What I love about self-efficacy is it can be learned. And this was not completely evident to me initially in my career. In fact, through much of my research, I often found that women wait to be 100% prepared. There's been many studies out there. One I often reference is a study done by HP when they posted several internal jobs with a short list of people they expected to apply. And then they reviewed the candidates that actually applied and the candidates that did not. And they visited the candidates they thought were going to apply but actually did not. And they found that many of them mentioned, I did not apply because I did not meet all the requirements listed on the job description. Now I'm sure you're not going to be surprised when I share that many of those candidates were women. Research shows that men generally feel confident applying for roles at 60 and 70 percent 
where women often do not apply for new positions until they're 100% qualified. And really, age doesn't matter. I've worked with women that are 20, 30, 40, 50, and they all agree that they go through job descriptions with a fine-tooth comb. Only a small amount of women have I met in my travels that actually say, if I have 50, 60, 70%, I'll apply. And to me, that's a clear indicator that they have high self-efficacy. They have a vision for where they want to go and believe they can achieve it. And this self-efficacy is learned. Self-efficacy is something that grows based on how often you stretch yourself. And what I mean stretch is that you're ready, but you're not 100% ready. Maybe you're 60 to 70% ready and you still raise your hand, put yourself on the short list, make your desires be known because you know you're going to figure it out. You're going to pull the project across the finish line. You might not know exactly how you're going to do it, but you have confidence that you can get it done. And for those of you in emerging fields, This happens to us often. We're often thrown into projects, commitments, new roles, and we're really not sure how to figure it out. But rest assured, there are many people that create these jobs and post these jobs that aren't really sure how it's going to get done either. And how many of you have thought about applying or thought about raising your hand and you held yourself back? And then when you saw the person that was actually put in the position, you thought, I could have done that. I'm more equipped. I have more experience. So for those of you listening today that have aspirations but are waiting to be 100% prepared before raising your hand or letting others know about your goals or putting yourself on a list or even applying, today is the day. Apply. Let other people tell you no because I can assure you they will. And I think for many of us, it's so reassuring to say, wait a minute, I don't have to be 100% qualified or in some cases, 120% qualified. No, you do not. If you're 60 or 70%, it is go time. Put yourself out there. And the funny thing is, I'm snapping again. Many organizations often do not hire you when you raise your hand for the first time. So if you are an internal employee, I have heard executives say we often want people to apply for a couple jobs to make sure they really want to take this next step in their career. My advice to you is collect your no's. Every time you put yourself out there and someone says no, put that no in your back pocket because I believe that each no is closer to a yes and that I am always excited when I get no's because I think that's okay. Soon there will be a yes. So please share with me, how are you going to be stretching this year? What are you doing today, tomorrow, this week that you weren't planning to do? But now that you've heard the research and you know more about self-efficacy, you're excited to stretch. You're excited to put yourself out there and you definitely want to grow your self-efficacy. Now, just a couple things to note. Self-efficacy is learned. You learn it when you stretch before you're ready, and the more you stretch, the faster it will grow. And women that stay in the industry and move into executive positions often have more self-efficacy. So there's a lot of excitement around leaping from telling yourself you can't do it, the imposter syndrome and imposter phenomenon we talked about earlier, to more self-efficacy. So here are five things you can do right now as you're preparing to leap and jump and create more self-efficacy. One, create space to listen to your own self-talk. 
Two, identify common stories that are often drowning you in negative thoughts. Three, write down your accomplishments and post them wherever you can see them. Four, identify projects or roles or opportunities that require you to stretch before you're ready. And five, each time you experience a positive result, you will be building your self-efficacy. Because remember, self-efficacy is learned. So be sure to take on projects and roles and responsibilities that will help you stretch out of your imposter syndrome into more self-efficacy. If this helped you, share it with a friend. We need more women to know about this. And remember to rate the podcast so more women can find it. Thank you for joining me and I look forward to meeting you back here next time. 